Well, good morning, family and friends. It's so good to see you. And I'm going to greet everyone who is here this morning, as well as everyone online, and hi to Julie and the rest of the Clevenger family who's watching, as well as all of our friends and family who are not able to be here. By the way, just as an aside, isn't it a great gift from God that He has given us this thing called technology? Especially during a season like the past couple of years where being together has not been as consistent. You know, sometimes I think as an American I get so used to a microwave society where I get everything I want very quickly that I begin to forget just how incredible some of the gifts of God are that are for all people whether we love, know, or cherish God or not. And so if you're joining us online through the miracle of God-given technology, welcome. We're glad you're here today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers. And you've picked a great day to join us because today on the second Sunday of 2022, we're going to jump into a new teaching called the Bible for everyone. Now, before I get into today's text, two things. First off, I just want to thank Michael for teaching last Sunday, dude. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing that. And yeah, this love it. Second thing, I want to thank, let's see, John and Easton. Thank you for leading us this morning. Some of you are going, well, hey, what, where's Sean Alex? Why isn't he leading? Well, two things. Number one, we're blessed to have a lot of young men and, uh, who, who can help us in this leading from the platform. But the reason is that Sean Alex has been having some uh, throat problems, some voice issues, and the doctor has basically said, you need to keep off your voice for a season because we don't want to have to do anything more radical than you just taking a break. So pray for Sean Alex. And if you see him and he doesn't talk to you, it is probably not because he doesn't like you, okay? It's probably, he's probably just trying to be quiet, okay? So again, appreciate you guys for helping us out today. Now, starting this new teaching called The Bible for Everyone, because we believe that the Bible, this collection of 66 letters and books, that the Bible is for everyone, The Bible is not just for the preacher, or if you grew up maybe with a pastor, or if you grew up with a priest, it's not just for those guys. It's not just for the Bible school teachers or the super Christians. The Bible is for everyone, and I can think of no better conversation than for the first few weeks in 2022 to come back to this idea that the Bible is for everyone. And my hope over the next four weeks as we talk about this is not simply that you will get into the Bible, although I hope that. But my hope and my goal is that we would let the Bible get into us over the next few weeks as well. And let me tell you why. The Bible is a significant, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, that's okay. But here's one thing you need to know. The Bible is the most influential collection of writings in history. Let me give you just a few stats about this incredible collection of of writings. Number one, in the past 50 years, over 4 billion Bibles have been printed in 349 languages. Number two, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away every year. And if you have that little Bible app on your phone, you know the version Bible app? By the way, show of hands, how many of you have a Bible app on a device? Okay, look around, keep your hand up, just look around for a second. Here's what you need to know. That one little Bible app, not including all the other ones, that one has been downloaded at this point over 500 million times on 500 million different devices. That's incredible. And number three, 58% of Americans, 
58% of Americans believe the Bible has had the most impact on human history. And that 58% would be correct because what we understand as justice today is birthed from what Scripture says. Our justice system, believe it or not, is actually built around scriptural ideas. Our value that we give to the young and the old is not a normal human concept. It is one we got from Scripture. Our idea of how we treat people with love and dignity, that is a scriptural idea. Our education system, believe it or not, and the value of educating not just boys, but girls, that comes from Scripture. Did you also know that our medical sciences and the universities... Most of those were born out of a Christian worldview because it was based on the idea that there is a God who created things in an orderly way, that things will always work a certain way, and so you can explore and discover the natural sciences. In other words, if you look at any aspect of human life today, we have been impacted by what sits between these covers. This is a big book. And let me tell you a little bit about it, how it was made The Bible, what you hold in your hand, the collection of writings, was written over a 1,500-year period by four, that's 40 generations. And there were over 40 different people who authored it, and they authored it from three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe, in three different languages, the Old Testament in Hebrew, part of it in Aramaic, that's parts of Daniel, and then the New Testament predominantly in Greek. And these people who wrote... What you and I hold in our hands today came from all walks of life. It wasn't just one kind of person or a different kind. In fact, it was written by kings and peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, statesmen, scholars, and many more. In other words, what you hold in your hand is not a simple collection of writings, but it is a very complex, beautiful, and we would say as Christ followers, inspired words. These are ancient words, but they are a gift from God today for you and me. Now, here's the reality. With all these things, oh, let me give you one more. In fact, what does it talk about? Hymns, sermons, letters, love letters, family trees, travel diaries, legal documents, historical records are in this book, population statistics, geographical surveys, architectural design. We could also talk about how to, um, sort of the ancient medicines and ways to live a healthy life. That's part of books like Leviticus. We'll talk about that later. In other words, your Bible has a lot in it. And if you are a Christ follower, or if you're not a Christ follower, and you're just here kicking the tires of faith, first off, we're glad you're here. We get a lot of people testing out faith, trying church again in the beginning of the year. And so this message series is written for you as much as anyone else. But if you are a thoughtful person and you hear all this, here's one thing you will ask at some point in your life. You hear about how it was made. You hear about the number of people involved. You hear about how many people have it. You will ask this very honest, important question. And here is two words. So what? So what? So what if it has all this information in it? So what if it's written by all these people? So what if many people read it? Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. If you are a Christ follower, many of us may not even think this is a necessary question to ask because maybe you were raised not to ask questions. Well, so what? Some of us, maybe you weren't raised not to ask questions, but you simply were raised that if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. 
But then there are others. There are others. In fact, some of you here this morning, some of you, maybe you, you have not come to a point where you, you're fully in, or maybe you love Jesus, but you are an honest enough seeker and you have looked, or maybe you're a believer and you've read Scripture and there are certain parts that you love and you cherish, but there are other parts that you read and you go, I don't know how to reconcile that with this. Or I don't know how to reconcile some of these socially insensitive sounding things with my very modern sensibilities. What do I do? And so the question, so what? Now, there are others in here. If you are not a Christ follower, first again, we are so glad you're here. We're so glad. You can always ask questions at Clear Creek. Amen? Amen. We believe this. We believe we have a big enough God who can handle the questions of your heart. So some of you may be saying, well, so what? Because you've read those parts that don't make a lot of sense. Or you've read those parts that cause your your heart to just kind of go, ugh. So why does it matter? Here's why it matters if you're a Christ follower. Even if you've never asked the question, so what? You have friends who are asking, so what, about the Bible. Some of you have children who will ask, so what, about the Bible. Some of you have family who are asking, so what? Or maybe they've already said, I don't buy it anymore. And then there are those of you who, if you're not a Christ follower, you're saying, I'm not sure I buy it now. So what? Here's what I want to do today is I want to tell you why this is such a good book. But to do it, and this is very, very important, to understand why this Bible matters. It is vital to understand how we got the Bible. For you to get why it's important, you need to understand how we got it. Because the way you and I got our Bible is different than the way the world got the Bible. When I got my Bible, show of hands, how many of you were given a Bible at some point when you were younger? Anyone in here get a... Yeah, I love it. So this is one of my first uh, Bibles. I got this when I was 10 years old. It's all beaten up now, but on the front in gold leaf, because of course every right Bible is gold leaf named, right? I I don't know why someone thought gold leaf was the way to go, but it says Joshua F. Diggs. My middle name is Franklin. You're welcome. Joshua F. Diggs. And it's for the bison camp for future preachers. This was at Lipscomb when I was 10 years old. This is one of my first Bibles. But when I got this Bible, this is not the way the world got the Bible, because when I got this Bible, it was wrapped in genuine artificial leather. It was put together. There are maps. It's chaptered in verse. It's got little, little tags and everything else you can go with. This is how you and I got our Bible, but this is not how the world got the Bible. It didn't just fall from heaven one day. And people had it. Understanding how we got the Bible will help you understand why the Bible is so important. Last week I told you I was going to come in and we're going to do like an overarc of the entire scriptures. But this week as I was going through it, I went, we got to start somewhere first. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to show you how we got the Bible because how we got the Bible is so important for why the Bible is so special and important. Now, disclaimer, um, today I'm going to share with you from this point forward some ideas that I first heard from a very smart guy by the name of Andy Stanley. He shared some of these things, and I found them to be so helpful for me personally, I want to share some of them with you. So, if it sounds smart, kudos to Andy. If it doesn't sound so smart, hello. So, we're going to get into it today. But here's what I want to do. I want you to understand how we got the Bible. It's so important because the Bible, here's the key thing. Where we got the Bible was not in the beginning of the Bible. In fact, to put it this way, the story of how we got the Bible doesn't start in the beginning of the Bible. The story of how we got the Bible does not start in the beginning of the Bible. It starts in the middle of the Bible. Also, some of you are writing this down. Some of you wish you could be writing this down. We have today 
some brand new 2021 journals that we'd love to give to you so you can take notes, so you can keep up with it. If you do not have one of these journals, if you were not given one when you walked in and would like one per person, go ahead and raise your hand. Just keep it up. Just keep it up. We have some ushers in the back. They will come and bring them to you. So I see a hand over here and others. Just keep them up. They will bring them to you. Now, the story of the Bible doesn't begin at the beginning, but in the middle of the Bible. And it begins. The reason you and I have the Bible begins with a guy by the name of Luke. Everybody say Luke. Luke was a first century Greek doctor. He was a smart guy, detail-oriented, who happened to hear the story of this man named Jesus who had come onto the scenes, preached a lot of good stuff, did a lot of miracles, but then was killed on a Roman cross. But then something happened that changed everything for Luke, and he became a Christ follower. And now, some years later, he has a friend named Theophilus. Everybody say Theophilus. Theophilus was a wealthy or influential Greek who had also heard the stories of Jesus, heard about the eyewitness accounts of his resurrection, and had come to follow Jesus. But he says to Luke, Luke, I want to know the backstory. Like, what are all the juicy details that lead up to this moment? Because like some people, maybe here today, you know about Jesus, you just don't know the story of Jesus. And so Luke begins to write down an orderly account to give to his friend Theophilus. This is what he says in Luke 1.1. Many, key word, we'll come back to this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things, we'll talk about those things, that have been fulfilled among us. So this is really important, the things, something has happened to cause Luke to write this account of the life of this man named Jesus. And he says not only are these things important, but it's so big that many people have written it down. Now this was important. This would have been very unusual in the ancient world. If you go today, if you look up any historic event that occurred, most historic events that we know about are recorded in only one or maybe two different records. It was unusual for any one event in history to have multiple authors writing the story. Why? Because parchment or paper was very expensive. And number two, many people were illiterate. They couldn't read anyway. And yet something so profound happened that multiple people said, I've got to share what has happened. And when they wrote this down, when Luke was writing this to his friend Theophilus, he was not writing the Bible. He had no idea that what he wrote that day would be held in our hands today. But he said, I've got to share what happened. So he goes on, verse 3. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated, so I've done all the research, Everything from the beginning, the beginning of what? Of Jesus' life. I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This phrase, excellent Theophilus, is why we think he was wealthy. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. He's saying there's something that's happened that changed your life. And I want you to know what you believe is rock solid. Something happened. Something changed everything. And it was not, hear this church... What happened was not that Jesus was born. That did not change the world. It was not that Jesus claimed to be God. That is not what changed the world. It's not that Jesus did miracles or taught us to love one another. That didn't change the world. In fact, none of those were reason enough to write the Bible. Those were not enough. Because here's the reality. Before Jesus came, there were others who claimed to be the Messiah, the one chosen by God to liberate the Jewish people from the Roman oppression. 
And every one of them had been killed or exiled, and their followers realized they weren't Messiah, so they didn't write about them. But something happened with Jesus Christ. And because of what happened, years and years and years, people are writing and sharing, and the story is spread. And here's what happened. We're told in chapter 23, it says this, going to Pilate, so someone's going to Pilate, it was a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and his friend Nicodemus. These were two prominent Jewish leaders. Everyone knew these guys. Jesus has been crucified. And so they go now to Pilate, who is the leader of the area, and they asked for Jesus's body. Why? Because Jesus was dead. Then he took it down from the cross. Why? Because Jesus was dead. Wrapped Jesus's body in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, in one in which no one had yet been laid. Why? Because Jesus was dead. Everyone thought this was the end of the story. And if this had been the end of the story, you and I would not have the Bible. Do you understand this? See, our Bible does not start, at least the reason we have it, does not start because it says in the beginning. The reason we have a Bible is because something happened in the middle that told us that the world was radically different, that the end is not here, that God has come and he has fixed things. Something happened that Jesus did not stay in the tomb. In fact, in fact, he doesn't just finish with this story. Jesus comes back and he begins to teach and to share and all the people are over the moon about this. And then Luke writes, not just Luke, what we know of as the gospel of Luke, although he's just writing an account. He doesn't think it's the Bible. He's just saying, let me tell you why I believe what I believe and why the world is the way it is and why God is in control. He then wrote the second part to his story, which is the book of Acts, which is the story of how the church, how you and I came to be. And he recounts the stories, the events that took place and he quotes a man named Peter who saw Jesus. Now, now, before I put this up here, here, here's what I need you to hear. Peter, along with all of the followers of Jesus, expected Jesus to be the Messiah. But when Jesus was arrested, they ran away from Jesus. They were cowards in the face of adversity. Peter ran. He denied knowing Jesus. All of his followers were scattered, including a man named John, who when he was running away, someone... One of the soldiers grabs John's cloak and John, not wanting to be arrested like Jesus, ripped off his clothing and ran naked away. That's in the Bible, by the way. You should really read the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there. My point is this. They were cowards at first and yet only 40 days, 50 days after this event, they are now back in Jerusalem proclaiming Jesus is more than a man. Question, what would it take to take you from being a coward one day to a courageous individual less than two months later? And the answer that Luke writes is that Jesus did not stay in the grave. And this is what he says, according to Peter, this is Peter. Go ahead, next slide. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. He's talking about not just the 12 apostles, but all of those who were with them, over 120 who had seen Jesus, who had witnessed his return. And they said, because something happened, we have to write it down. And so Luke wrote the account. The reason you have the Bible is because something happened. Jesus did not stay in the tomb. And then after Luke's writing, you have another man by the name of Mark. Everybody say Mark. Mark. 
Mark. Mark was a young man, John Mark. We talked about him during the Barnabas series a few weeks ago. And he traveled with a man named Peter, the same Peter we just read about. And Peter shared with Mark his personal eyewitness account of the life of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so he shares with Mark all that he had seen and heard. We know this to be true because there's a second century historian named Papias who tells us that Peter told Mark. So Mark writes it down. Now, here's what you need to know. Mark is the shortest of the four books of Jesus' life. They're called Gospels. But it's the shortest because it's action-packed, few details. It's all about demon possession and God doing cool stuff. Why? Because it is the accounting from a man named Peter. Peter likes action. He's got a big mouth. And so he shares the stories like you and I would want to hear them. Fast-paced, action-oriented. It's the style that Peter would have been written in. And then you have another story of the life of Jesus. Because remember, there were many different accounts. Another one was by a man named Matthew. Everybody say, Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a Jew who was taking money from his fellow citizens, giving it to Rome, and lining his own pocket in the process. But Jesus comes along. He follows Jesus. He becomes a follower. He witnesses the death of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus. And some years later, he begins to write down his account. But he doesn't write it to Greeks like Luke. He doesn't write it to an individual. He doesn't write it to others. He writes it to the Hebrew people, to his people. And so the book of Matthew has details about Jewish customs and how Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies to be Messiah, the chosen one of God. So Matthew goes back to the Old Testament and tells about it, proving to the Jews, yes, Jesus is the one we have been waiting for. And then there's a fourth man named John who writes an account, and his is different from all the others. It is written not in a detached, here's what Jesus did. It is more personal and intimate because John was Jesus' best friend. And he says, let me tell you about this, Jesus. Yes, I know many people have written, but I want you to know what I have seen and heard. In fact, yes, the question, why did they write this down? Because they were coming to the ends of their lives. Persecution was getting greater on the church And they wanted an orderly account so others would know centuries later that Jesus is more than a man, but he was the Messiah sent from God because he did not stay in the tomb. The reason we have what we call the Bible is because some people saw something that changed everything for them. And they could not, they could not, they could not deny what their eyes, hands, ears and lives had experienced and so they wrote down accounts that they had no plan to be in a book collected like we have today they said let us tell you the story of the moment that changes everything and john says let me tell you how how it happened he tells his story and i love here at the end of the story that john is telling and i say story not because it's fictional but he's recounting the tales he's sharing the moments and in john chapter 20 he tells us why he had to write it down himself he says this Jesus performed many other signs. By the way, when John says signs, he's talking about miracles. He performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, not just the 12, but the hundreds, which are not recorded in this book. He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about in his accounting of Jesus' life. In other words, he's saying, I've told you some things, the crucial things, the bare minimum things, that if you get this, you get it all. And so, In fact, he says it this way. But these are written that you may believe. Believe what, John? Well, that Jesus 
is the Messiah, the chosen one of God to the Jews. He is the Son of God to the Greeks. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. In other words, John is saying, I am writing this to you so you can know what is essential to have life. That nothing else matters. But if you get this one thing, you have everything. Now, if we had time this morning, I'd walk you through how these books were then collected with the Old Testament and how the writings of Peter and the writings of James and the writings of Paul all came in and how they were selected. We may get to that point, but here's what I need you to know. The reason we have this, the reason that we believe this is sacred, the reason we believe this is inspired is not because it starts by saying this is the Bible, but because it tells the moment when everything changed. When God entered this world and died for us on a cross and rose from the grave. Here's what you need to know. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, we would have no the Bible. It's because he came back that we have the Bible. Now, I was thinking about how precious this is. I don't know about you, but I have a number of very precious Bibles. This is one of them. This is a little handheld Bible. Uh, It's called New Testament, so it only has the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. Now, this one is precious to me. It was one of the earliest Bibles I was given. And if you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard me tell you about a woman named Ann Lever, who is one of the reasons that I wanted to go into ministry. She and her husband, Cody, gave me this Bible when I was just a little dude. Some of you say, last week? Yeah, shut up. (laughs) But they gave this to me, and it means the world to me because... In it, in fact, in Miss Ann's handwriting, it says, Joshua Diggs, a fine young preacher, long before I ever did any of this. This is a special book to me. And it's not because it says the Bible on it, although that is valuable. It's because it was given to me by someone who means a lot to me, and in it reveals the truth of life. The reason that we honor this is not because it says the Bible on the cover. I want you to hear this. The reason this is for everyone. The reason this isn't just for preachers or pastors or priests or Bible teachers or super Christians. The reason this is for everyone is because Jesus died and rose for everyone. That's why we have this gift, church. See, I think some of us come to this and we think of it as a dusty old relic that has do's and don'ts. Or we enter it looking for a roadmap to life. Or we look for ways to not get on God's bad side. Church, this is a love letter from God written by people who witnessed the goodness of God and the resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus came back from the grave, the rest of the New Testament is attempting to explain all the implications of why and how that changes our lives. So Paul writes to churches around the world that he was planting, saying, because Jesus rose, let me tell you how this changes everything. Peter writes letters to churches saying, because Jesus rose from the grave, he wrote letters to churches as this changes everything. The New Testament is all about saying, because Jesus rose, rose it changes everything and then and then we're going to talk more about this next week but the reason the church began to incorporate the old testament is not because it says the bible in the beginning of the old testament but because they said this jesus referred to a lot of things that happened in previous sacred texts 
We'd kind of like to know what those say so we can know who this Jesus is more. And so the Old Testament was collected as well. But it all began because some people somewhere saw God do something extraordinary, bringing Jesus back from the grave. And if he had not been raised from the dead, we would not have the Bible today. And so here's what I want us to do. Over the next three weeks, I'm going to invite you into just a 21-day reading plan. The Gospel of John, we call it gospel, meaning good news. But it's the account of Jesus' life. The Gospel of John is 21 chapters long. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Is starting tomorrow, join me in reading one chapter every day through the Gospel of John. You've got these great journals. I'd invite you to write down SOAP. That is S for Scripture. So write down a passage that you're going to read that day. O is for observation. What do you see about the text, about who God is and who we are? And then the A is application. What are you going to do as a result of what you've read? And then P, pray. God, thank you for this. Help me with that. Show me something. Whatever it is. But if we do this starting tomorrow, we'll go through the entire month, remaining month of January through the book of John. Because it was written not to be the Bible, although it is. But it was written to you and for you and for me. That we would believe that Jesus is more than a man. It all starts with Jesus, church. Why is the Bible for everyone? It's because Jesus is for everyone. One last detail. Over the course of years, as the disciples began to die off, there were many different persecutions. And the persecutions got bad. In fact, the worst one was in about 303 AD when Emperor Diocletian says, let's get rid of these Christians because you need to understand that the Romans didn't mind if you worshipped other gods so long as you worshipped their gods as well and worshipped Caesar as God. But the Christians said, no, we can't do that. And the Romans were somewhat superstitious. They believed that if anything good or bad happened, it was because of the gods. So if things went bad, it's because the gods were upset. And why would the gods be upset? Well, because there's a group that doesn't believe in the gods. And so the gods are punishing all of us with famine or with war or with some disease. And so the way they got rid of or tried to fix the problem is they just got rid of or tried to get rid of the cause of the problem as they saw it, and that was the church. And so things got very bad. And if you were a follower of the way of Jesus, and they found out that you were, they would round you up, they would kill your daughter and your son and your wife before they killed you. And if you were found to have a portion of what we call the New Testament, part of John's gospel, or part of the letter from Peter, or from Paul, or any of the writers, if you were found to have it, you would be executed as well. And yet, the early church hid those and held them. Not because it said the Bible on the cover, but because these documents wrote down the truth of what happened. And the reason we hold this as sacred is not because of what's stamped on the cover, but because of the truth it tells between the covers that God loves us and died and rose for us. So next week we're going to get into it and we're going to talk about, okay, from cover to cover what happens and why. But it all starts because Jesus rose from the grave. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for giving us these 66 beautiful letters and books. I believe inspired by you and collected and kept safe through history for our good. I thank you that it reveals to us who Jesus Christ is, that Jesus was more than a man. 
He was the resurrected Messiah. And because of that moment, the Bible that we have today is in our hands. For anyone here this morning who has gotten tripped up on certain things in the Bible, I pray that they will begin at the point of the Bible, which is Jesus. And Father, for any of us who've become complacent, who who may have forgotten or not seen what a good gift this is, I pray you would stir in us a love for Jesus, that this is not dusty old letters, this is not fiction, but this was collected and held for the benefit of all of us because Jesus rose from the grave. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.